And right now the market, in my professional opinion, is severely overpaying, but they don't know they're overpaying because the interest rates are so low that Joe Schmo home buyer, the guy who's buying this house, is thinking it's only 1200 bucks a month. And he's not paying attention to the fact at all that it's a 300, you know, he's paying $305,000 for the house, right? And I don't feel bad about it. That's the appraised value of the house because 20 other properties in that neighborhood that were fully remodeled sold for 300 grand. See, what keeps us investor types in check is appraisals. Right? We cannot sell the property for more than it would appraise for, right. and the appraisal is supported by what other people paid for. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So at the end of the day, we're not, oh, we're not the real. Investors got blamed up and down, 2008. It's the investors' problem. They're the ones causing all this. The housing price went up. No, 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 no. We are simply doing what the market asks us to do. If you're willing to give me $305,000 for a house, I'm going to sell it to you for $305,000. I'm a capitalist, man. This is how I roll. Right? The only thing that will change it is the buying power of the consumer. Check, check, one, two, one, two. Turn it up, turn it up. Welcome to the Foreclosure Deals Coach Podcast. The tides are turning, the time is now. You're home for the mindset, methodology, and tools needed to invest in foreclosures. Don't you dare buy a house, buy a deal. You need to get into this right now. Right now, yeah. And now your host, the Foreclosure Deals Coach, Donnie Corum. Foreclosure Deals Coach Podcast. This is your host and Foreclosure Deals Coach, Donnie Corum, broadcasting live from our downtown Denver studios with my executive producer, Mr. Jonathan Winston. What is going on, man? Uh, other than me taking notes on the wonderful show that we have set up for today, uh, you know, it's just another, it's another good day here in Denver, Colorado, man. Um, seeing a lot of um, you know, interesting um, like uh, marketing techniques and, and marketing things hmm. for different homes on the market. I was out, you know, just kind of driving around uh, this weekend, and you know, I'm seeing like a homemade sign um, that's saying, "Hey, for sale." Okay, for sale right down the street. And you know me with uh, you know my deal hunter antenna popping up. There you, you know, go. I definitely had to go check it out and see what was Crikey, going on. It's a deal. I'm like, look, is this a Fizbo for sale by owner? Oh, that looks. This looks pretty promising. You might I love be able it. to come in and talk to somebody. I pull up, and you know it actually turns out that the, I mean the home is uh, under contract with a, with a realtor or an agent. Okay. Uh, so so they are represented, and they you know they were going to be having an open house that Saturday. Um, but it was just, uh, it was kind of unique to see, you know, uh, the not so common way of yes. getting people interested in homes and how, uh, you know, with the hot market that we have here in Denver and just, you know, uh, probably interested in real estate in general, you're seeing people kind of use creative ways to, you know, draw that attention and kind of take advantage of this hot market for the sellers. I love that. And, and I will add it, so much of this and related to whether it's wholesaling or fix and flipping or just good old fashioned retail real estate comes down to creativity, right? It is really trying to do something that everybody considers to be outside the box. That's been the differentiating factor for my team and I, you know, where we're, we're targeting doing 50 flips in a year. And I, and I can promise you that doing that requires a lot of outside the box thinking, a lot of acquisition strategy, a lot of driving around, seeing signs on the side of the road and pursuing that. 
that. Right. If you're trying to get started, first thing you want to do is break the mold of the standard thinking. You know, like just don't don't think about how it's been done. Think about how you can reinvent and change the game for yourself and do things at an advanced level. So awesome that you stopped and took a look at it. A lot of people would have driven right by that sign. So going in there and taking a look really shows commitment and dedication because you don't know. This this guy would be like, oh, thank God somebody showed up. I want to sell this house for half of what it's worth. Right. You know, that, that could have been the opportunity of a lifetime. But if you hadn't taken the time to get out of your comfort zone, you would just never know. You know, so kudos to you. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. So um, interesting article from Realtor Magazine that says, and obviously we're going to be posting this to the uh, show notes here. So take a look at it for yourself. But the article says that 44% of owners dissatisfied with home since pandemic. And here's the thing about these these articles. Like, how do they know that yeah. 44? Did you just kind of go to everybody's house and go, how you feeling about your house, dog? Yeah, so like, who, yeah, who's this 44%? Like, right. where are you getting these numbers? I, I, you know what? I'm so glad that you knocked on my door randomly and asked me <laughs> about my house because I actually hate it a little bit more, man. <laughs> like, I've been in here a lot, and it just kind of sucks. Just like, generally, I just can't put my finger on it. Why, though? So glad you showed up to survey me, though. So now, now it's going on to the survey. Here's the thing. 95% of statistics are made up on the spot. Like that one. So hey, the, like the thing about it is um, we don't know where they come up with this, but I think there is some validity to a growing dissatisfaction with people's homes since the pandemic. And it goes on to say that there's a sense of feeling trapped when it's required to remain inside. We're missing the venues we used to frequent and perhaps noticing the flaws of the home now that we're spending more time there. Gosh, that's the truth, right? Oh, How yeah. many of y'all are feeling a little bit trapped in your little apartment? Right? Man, claustrophobia is, is setting in right it's now. It's kicking in, right? I went to an outdoor concert the other day in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and like generally speaking, I'm a big music buff, but you could just see the relief of people just to be outside right. of their homes, right? So, you know, I think some of this is, uh, you know, they go on to say that 42% of respondents say it's more difficult to find alone time inside their home. Well, that's because the kids are home all the time right now, you know? Right. I love my daughters, I do, but man, no matter how big the house is, sometimes you just really want your space. I love you, baby. I love you, girls. Yeah, I do. <laughs> but it is nice to have that, that space out there, even with my wife. Oh, who I adore. But I got to tell you, sometimes even in 6,000 square foot of living space, it's like, if you don't go to the other side of this house right now, there will be only one survivor. <laughs> Highlander in the house. You know what I'm saying? Kind of so I get it. I get why we're heading down this dissatisfaction with homes. And that that may be leading to some of the, the home sales that are going on right now, right? Where right. a lot of people are getting fed up with their property and bigger picture for those of us in the investing space, some of these guys are realizing the imperfection of their home and going, we need to sell this thing, but it may be a little worse than I thought, so we're willing to take a lot less for it than we might have been, say, pre-pandemic, Right. Because they're being smacked in the face with their the windows, you know, that, that they know they need to replace, the deck that creaks when you walk on it, right? The plumbing issues that have, that have come up that they know they should have fixed. So the reality is the opportunities are going to be out there because homeowners are having to take a really honest, hard look at their property, okay? Now, selling a property because it needs work will in of itself not cause a foreclosure market, okay? I can assure you that's not going to be what changes the game to a heavy foreclosure market, but let me tell you what I think is. Are you ready for this? Oh, I'm ready. Let's go. 
interest rates. Uh. And I'm going to tell you a story, okay? We are flipping a property in Pikes Peak Park, Colorado. Now, it's in Colorado Springs, but this is a whole other hood in Colorado Springs. When I was growing up, you ever see The Lion King? We're like, Simba, all the light touches is ours, except for that dark space over there. Don't ever go there. That was Pikes Peak Park. Uh, mm, okay. Yeah, Simba didn't know it, but actually that, that, was, that was a hood. And in, in every neighborhood, there is that hood, okay? As real estate agents, we can't talk smack about bad neighborhoods, but let's face it, right? Wherever JoJo lives up in there, he's, he's on the spinners, right? And he's the one who can always <laughs> count on to get the right amount of ammunition for a certain type of piece. That is the bad area, because JoJo's not doing that in the upper end areas. The cops ain't having that. <laughs> Okay, okay. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So the, the, every every place has a bad area. I don't listen. I, I made a lot of money off of bad areas, and the, and the reality of it is, a lot of these bad areas become really nice neighborhoods over time. Right? right. They, they call it gentrification, but the reality is, over time, these bottom end houses get bought, fixed up, and they become excellent starter homes for young families trying to buy their first house. So I got no problem with a quote unquote bad area, and I got no problem with Pikes Peak Park. But do you want to be the person who's getting pushed out because of gentrification or seeing that happen to your family? Or do you want to be a savvy investor, somebody who's pig- figured out the market, made moves to get ahead of the market, and now is, in, is investing in his or you know their old neighborhood and you know fixing it up and bringing up the value? Dang, you just went deep. You just, you, we went, you went way deep. I was prepared to go on this show. But yes, uh, well, well played. Which side of that equation do you want to be on, right? Do you want to be the guy who's like, this sucks and I have to move? Or do you want to be the guy like, I'm glad I bought this house when I did. I'm making a ton of money on the way out. And I'm going to take that. I'm a, we're moving on up to the east side to deluxe apartment <laughs> in the sky. And I'm going to go back and I'm going to buy some other properties and help this neighborhood to grow, right? Do you want to be an investor or do you want to be a victim? That's what Jonathan's asking. And I think it's pretty clear to me I ain't going to be no victim. We're investors over here. We're investors here on the Foreclosure Deals Coach Podcast, and right? deal hunters. So because we're out there finding deals, but it, Pike, back to my story here, Pikes Peak Park, $300,000 house, okay? When I first got into flipping, uh, my, my, old, my first house was literally about three months after my oldest daughter was born, okay? And she just turned 16 years old. So it gives you an idea on how long I've been at this game, right? So at, at 16 years ago, Pikes Peak Park was a neighborhood where if you could wander in there and not get injured, you could buy a house for about 80, 90 grand, and you were eager as all get out when you sold that thing for 130, 140. Okay. Today we have a house in that neighborhood under contract, fully remodeled, gorgeous, came out nice as they always do. Our fresh gray paint, stainless steel appliances, nice kitchen backsplash. Ooh, Ooh all the amenities, uh, right? Just listen to this price. Three hundred and five thousand dollars. Okay, cool, cool. Okay, now as a mortgage broker, an investor, a real estate agent, and all the other badges that I wear, I can tell you that generally speaking, until now anyway, we have gone off of the math that based on prevailing interest rates for the past decade or so in the fours and fives, okay, you would figure that for every hundred thousand dollars that you financed, you were going to spend six hundred bucks. So in my mind, because I haven't mentally converted to these stupid low interest rates, I'm thinking this young couple buying their first house is going to be getting a payment, just natural thought process, of $1,800 a month. Okay. You know, And for me, $1,800 a month, which was a lot more than my first house payment was for a new house right. in a nicer neighborhood, I think mean, that's insane. Who would do that? You know, But... 
But then I get the prequel letter. And for some reason, I mean, we get prequel letters every day, but for some reason I read this one. And this young kid's payment is going to be 1250 bucks a month to the 300K house. Right? Why is that? Because the interest rate is 2.5%, man. Man. That, that is practically free. He's got a $1,200 month payment. You cannot rent an apartment in Colorado Springs, Colorado right now for $1,200. But this guy is getting a nice, freshly remodeled house, one-car garage, fenced-in backyard, and he's paying less than rent. So, of course, it makes sense to buy this property for three hundred grand. But therein lies the problem. And here's the problem. Rates are currently in the twos, ladies and gentlemen, the 2% range. What happens when they go to 4 or 5%, right? That exact same house goes from $1,200 a month to if rates go back to what I consider normal, okay? And my normal is 4 to 6% because that's what I grew up in. My parents grew up in an 8 to 9% era, and there are even talks where mortgage interest rates were in the 10 to 12%, and that was normal, okay? Now, I don't know if we're ever going to get back there. We're printing money so fast right now with these multi-trillion dollar financial bailouts of the country prompted by coronavirus, and we won't get into the politics behind it, but guys, this is the very essence of the definition of inflation. Hi, this is Donnie Corum, your foreclosure deals coach. It's important to have good credit when you're buying a foreclosure. A lot of people think you can come in with bad credit, but the fact of the matter is you need pretty stable credit scores to buy a foreclosure deal. So how do you find out how to increase your credit? Well, there's tons of credit repair agencies out there and multiple formulas, but one thing we found that works is reporting your monthly rental payments to the credit bureau. We partnered with RentReporters.com, the leading provider of adding your payment history direct from your landlord onto your credit bureau scores and it helping people to boost their scores up to 40 points in as little as 30 days. So to get started, I want you to head on out to www.ForeclosureDealsCoach.com. Now that's a messenger bot and you're going to use the keyword rent to get more information about Rent Reporters and how you can boost your credit score by getting your rental reported to the credit bureaus. Once again, Donnie Corum, your foreclosure deals coach. Check it out. Okay. If a product that used to sell for 180 is now selling for 300,000 and nothing has changed except the interest rates. See, Pikes Peak Park is a nicer area than it was back then. That's for certain. Okay, what hasn't changed is compared to the rest of Colorado Springs, it's still not as nice of a neighborhood as other parts. Okay, so if that same house goes from a payment of $1,200, put aside the price for a minute. Okay, forget that it's three hundred dollars because retail buyers do not buy the $300,000 price point. They don't have three hundred dollars They buy the payment. Does that make sense? Right. Okay, so this guy goes from today, he can buy this house for 1200 bucks, and he's super excited to buy it because, man, that's cheaper than rent. It's a nice house. You know, it's not in the greatest area ever, but it's not in a bad neighborhood per se, right? He's, if that payment goes up to $1,800, $2,000 a month, you think he's still going to do it? Definitely not. He not a chance. Not, he, not only can he afford it, he wouldn't if he could afford it. Right. Do you see what I'm saying? Because mm -hmm. now he's going to look at renting for $1,400, $1,500 a month, 
right? Before he's even going to contemplate buying a house. Now, if everybody does that, if everybody at the same time goes, I'm not going to buy, what happens if there are a bunch of sellers, people who want to, or worse still, have to sell, and there are no buyers in the market? What happens to any market when that happens? Prices go down, right? That's just logical. If you're trying to sell for three and there are no buyers at 300,000, then you got to drop it to 280. Right? If there are no buyers at 280, you got to drop it to 250. But what if Joe Schmo buyer paid 300 grand for that property two years ago? He can't sell for 250 anymore. Man, quite the quandary. It's quite the quandary. So what happens? Well, what starts is short sales. Okay, and the short sale process became very popular in 0809. Some of you may be old enough to remember that in 0809, suddenly short sales were all the rage. Everybody, and just quick definition: a short sale is going to your mortgage broker and saying, "Hey, Mr. Mortgage Broker, I know Mr. Mortgage Lender, because the broker brokers the deal. The lender is the one who lends you the money, right? The lend you go to the lender and say, "I know I owe you three hundred thousand dollars on this house in Pikes Peak Park, but." Today it's worth 250. Will you take 250 for it? Now, if you owe me $300,000, okay, and you come to me and say I want to give you 250, my answer is not just no. It's more like hell no. I want my money, man. You owe me my money, right? So short sales were people who were negotiating with the lender, going, I know he owes you 300k, but the house is only worth 250, and if you don't take 250 you're going to end up getting a foreclosure on your hands. And believe it or not, despite the myth that lenders are out there to take people's houses, the reality is they didn't want the houses. They wanted the money. Okay, they're in the money business, not the housing business, right? So, but they fought back. They were coming in so fast and furious in that 08 through 10 era, 2008 to 2010, there's so many short sales, they didn't have the logistics, the people on staff to approve or deny these short sales. So they sat and sat and sat and sat. In many cases, we were working on short sales that would take six to nine months normally to get from a, I can't pay this mortgage anymore to a getting resolution. It was crazy and they were backing up and stacking up and it became such a huge problem. Today, I hope, I certainly hope the lenders are smarter and they'll figure out to accept these short sales early on, but that will be phase one, okay? Phase one will be interest rates rise. People can't sell for what the house, what they owe in the house. Forget what the houses are worth, okay? A house is worth what somebody is willing to pay for it. If you come to me and you've got any widget at all, and I say the value of that widget is $5, and somebody else says, I'll give you $7 for it, that is the value, okay? It is dictated by the market, not by what we're paying for it, okay? And right now, the market, in my professional opinion, is severely overpaying, but they don't know they're overpaying because the interest rates are so low that Joe Schmo home buyer, the guy who's buying this house, is thinking it's only 1200 bucks a month. And he's not paying attention to the fact at all that it's a 300, you know, he's paying $305,000 for the house. Right? And I don't feel bad about it. That's the appraised value of the house because 20 other properties in that neighborhood that were fully remodeled sold for 300 grand. See, what keeps us investor types in check is appraisals. Right? We cannot sell the property for more than it would appraise for, right. and the appraisal is supported by what other people paid for. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So at the end of the day, we're not, we're not the, investors got blamed up and down, 2008. It's the investors' problem. They're the ones causing all this. The housing price went up. No, 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 no. We are simply doing what the market asks us to do. 
If you're willing to give me $305,000 for a house, I'm going to sell it to you for $305,000. I'm a capitalist, man. This is how I roll, right? The only thing that will change it is the buying power of the consumer. That guy at 5 to 6% interest rates, he could afford a $1,200 payment. Because let's face it, most people buy to the very extent to what they get pre-qualified for. It's the American way. Right. Right? If you get approved for a $1,200 payment, you ain't looking for the house that you get a 13, you know, for a thousand dollar payment on. I'm looking at that uh, thirteen ten. It, right. It, uh, I don't know, man. I might can I stretch this a bit? Like, can it, maybe a little more. Can I get a little more? Right. <laughs> That's the American way. We're we're all, they're all spending to the very extent of what they're approved for. And I got to be frank with you, as a real estate agent, I was part of pushing that process. We would get you approved for the maximum amount you could qualify for, and then if we could find you something cheaper, we worked to do that. But the reality in a super hot market like the one we're in right now is you're not going to find anything cheaper right, right. now. Right, three hundred thousand dollars is an entry level house in Colorado Springs, and in Denver, said entry level house is half a million dollars. And wherever you're at, I assure you, the entry level house is higher than it's ever been in the history of the country. Right now, it's happening. Okay, but all of this is being driven by interest rates being far too low for the long term. The reality is the banks are happy to lend out money when the Federal Reserve is giving them money to lend at 0% interest, okay? They're getting the money from the Federal Reserve at nothing and they're lending it out at two, two and a half percent. That's a two and a half percent profit for doing nothing but moving the paper from one section to another. Okay, when the Fed, not if, but when the Federal Reserve starts pulling the money supply back in by raising the Federal Reserve rate to normal proportions, the banks will respond because they have to, not because they're greedy bastards, but because in order to function as a bank, you must lend money at a higher rate than you can borrow it at. That's just logical, okay? So when the Federal Reserve raises the interest rates, the banks over time will respond to that by raising the interest rates. And this all sounds pretty innocent enough. This is how it's been going for years, except that we've been overpaying for property for about the last two or three years, okay? If these young kids, and I, I really, really pray this doesn't happen to them, okay? I, I, am, I am all about people getting to keep their homes. But let's imagine a scenario. This is a young military couple. The military is kind of famous for relocating people, right? Right. So this guy gets orders. He's going to get shipped off to wherever to go serve our country, and we appreciate greatly with the sacrifice that these guys make for our country. But he gets shipped off to wherever he's going to get shipped off to, and now he has to sell the house, well, what if interest rates are higher and he can't find anybody to buy it for 300000 anymore? He's going to try to short sell it or he's going to foreclose. Those are the only two options, right? And that is a harsh reality to the market we are barreling towards at an astounding rate right this moment, okay? You heard it here first. What will cause the collapse will be an increase in interest rates coupled with a sustenance of the unemployment rate it continuing to stay high, if not going higher. Okay, that is a, these, these things are preconceived. They will happen. It is just a question of when. You simply cannot, I don't care that we're, Congress has been doing it for years and the Fed has figured out a way to keep printing money and Trump has thrown out trillion dollar tr stimulus packages like it's water. You cannot, cannot, cannot do it forever. Okay, And when you stop printing money, the amount of money available will decrease. When the amount of money available decreases, people will be forced into foreclosure. 
period. Okay, so guys, here, here's my point. This is not a negative show. If you're, a, if you're an investor, this should be like the dinner bell ringing for you. You should be like Pavlov's dog, ding, dinner time, okay, because it's happening right now. You need to be getting involved because I'm telling you, they can't keep rates this low forever. It just, now, if you're listening to the show for a while, you also know that I've been saying this for like a long time, that I, mean, I, I keep saying rate, yeah, at least a year I've been going, hey, rates have to come up, right? And they haven't yet. So, so far, you've managed to prove me wrong, okay? Right. The, the thing about it is, is I can't be wrong forever, right? Even a, even a broken clock is right twice a day. Okay. So I believe sometime, and a lot of it's going to depend on who's elected. I'm not going to do a big political discussion. I know we're all on very different sides of that equation right now. Okay, but I can tell you that in a Republican-run government, interest rates tend to stay lower. In a Democrat-run government, they tend to go higher. That's just, that's trending. That's trend analysis, okay? That, that it may be completely different. It doesn't matter who's elected. I'm just saying certain policies lean towards that direction or the other. So in my opinion, this party will last a little longer if the red side wins, okay? And it will be a little bit shorter if the blue side gets in, right? And, and personally, obviously, I want the party to last as long as it can because I'm having a great time at the party, right? But there's a reality, too. At some point, the party has to end, right? So it's, and that's okay. Like, listen, the cool thing about the party ending is it just changes to a different party. Like, we just go to, we go to JoJo's house. Yeah, we're going down the street, man. Right, I, you know, I and, like partying with JoJo sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Good music. <laughs> and JoJo's got that new DJ set up, you know. Yeah, man. So I'm okay with the party changing venues. It's just, today as it sits, if you're thinking about getting involved, you should stop thinking and start doing it. You should start doing it because I can tell you right now that learning the market as it sits today in a low interest rate market is going to be critical to understanding how it's going to work in a higher interest rate market, right? It works heading that direction. Heading the other direction, very difficult, okay? And that's why it's been so competitive. That's why so many people are hopping in because it's just a simple lack of understanding of how the whole thing's going to work. I'm looking forward to a shift in the market. I've been telling you guys since this show started, I can't wait to, for us to be in a heavily foreclosure-driven market again because um, I made a killing. You're shooting straight with you in the last one, okay? And today we're doing very well, but I think we're going to do better in a quote-unquote bad market. And I say quote-unquote because at the end of the day, all of this is how your perception of it works. If you're heavily educated as to how the market operates, you're not going to even notice any blip or change in the marketing. You will simply adapt to the times at hand. So how do you do that? Get started. Join up. Head on out to the Foreclosure Deals Coach Insiders Group. Let's join up. Let's discuss what you're facing in your local market. Let's figure out what side of the coin you should be on. Should you be buying and holding? Should you be buying and flipping? Should you be looking for foreclosures. You already have a decent amount of foreclosure in your market. I'll say that's probably unlikely, but there are certain markets out there in the country that are, are more stable anyway than the Colorado market is, who's definitely erring the side of overpriced and getting out of hand. You know, the opportunity is there no matter where you are, but you got to get educated. You got to know what's going on. And if you're really, really advanced, if you're really looking to do this big, you may want to consider getting professional coaching as I did to help me grow my foreclosure investment business at an extremely fast rate, you know, or you can do a trial and error. Either will work. But all I'm saying is now's the time to get involved. 
All right, so we'll look forward to seeing you in the group, and we're going to end the show on that. With that, this is Donnie Corum. I'm your foreclosure deals coach. I appreciate you guys tuning in each and every single week to the podcast. We really appreciate all the feedback. Join up on the group, and we remind you now and always, don't you dare buy a house out there. Buy a deal. Want more of the Foreclosure Deals Coach? Hit subscribe and stay tuned for more of the mindset, methodology, and tools you'll need to invest in foreclosures. Visit foreclosuredealscoach.com and text DEAL to get a list of foreclosures in your area.